Salutations and shit, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit. I'm your host, D. Carrie, and uh, my co-host down here, Binks, has got a little haircut, so she might pop up. It's not a new dog. It's not a big rat. It's my puppy who's grown. She's not a puppy, y'all. She's 12. But anyway, my co-host is on hand. Um, so thank you guys for coming back. Uh, if you're new to the show, here at Travel and Ship, we have more of a conversation based on the experiences of travel and um, don't really center it around the destination. The destination is just, I mean, it's part of the conversation, but it's not the entire conversation. So let's jump right into it. I have a guest this week. And so my beautiful guest, congratulations again on the engagement. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Super you. excited for you. Um, <laughs> everyone could use some good news. So um, peace and excitement to you for, um, for that new stage in life. And please introduce yourself. Thank you for uh, joining me this week. Yeah. Well, thank again. thanks again for having me. My name is Danielle Desir. I am an affordable travel and personal finance blogger podcaster and author. And I really focus on tying together travel and money. And my priority is really to help folks make more informed financial decisions. And I do that by helping folks travel more, pay off debt and build wealth. So <clears throat> I, I don't do money numbers. Not That is not my ministry. Uh, you guys have never heard me talk <laughs> a once about any type of budget or um, strategy. And it's not because I've got an endless supply of coin. I just, it's, I'm fortunate to not have kids. So all of my money goes to me. I kind of just make those decisions. I don't really have anybody else except for the dog that I'm worried about what I, um, contribute my funds too. So I've always prefaced my conversations with that. Like I can speak from the place of uh, selfishness, if you will. But I know that being home, I've seen that I have been saving a lot more money, not because I go out a lot or anything, but I'm not spending on lunch. I'm eating the food that I have in the house. I'm not ordering, you know, takeout after being at work. It's, you know, even a bunch of snacks, it's still stuff that's at home. Also, I'm not spending on Metro cards because, you know, I haven't had to be on the train. So I'm seeing that I'm saving money being home. So I'm certain that I'm not the only person. And I felt like it made sense to finally have somebody that can help with what to do with either, you know, you're seeing that you're saving money or maybe you see that you're spending money. So whatever your relationship with the funds that you have um, are, I'm certain that Danielle could help you with it this week. So please, what, um, what would you start? What would you start with? Yeah, I would definitely start with uh, um, uh, actually a weekly check-in. So I'm not going to say budget yet. We could dive into budget a little bit later, but I think having a weekly check-in with yourself where you mm -hmm. sit down and focus on your finances is like super important. And for me, I make it, a date in my calendar. So there's actually a calendar reminder that pops up and says, Hey, did you check in with your money today? And I try to do it in the morning time so that if there's any trauma, if my bank account <laughs> isn't looking the way I want it to, like I can go ahead and make those, uh, take those decisions and make those actions without going to bed, feeling frustrated or, you know, just, mm -hmm. it's not a good idea to go to sleep 
worrying about money. So I always say, if you are going to take a look at your balances, do anything, do it in the morning and make it a regular practice. Like make it something that you stick to every single week. Uh, Cause for me, for a long time, I had this uh, struggle. Like I would struggle with wanting to check my bank account because I wasn't really sure what's in there, you know. And the more you look at it, the more real you realize. Like, wow, I broke. And who <laughs> wants to feel that way, you know? So, um, I, but I do think that there is something to be said by looking at your money regularly and start embracing an abundance mindset. You know, like I always say to myself, money flows to me and it comes to me in unexpected ways. And it could be a check from Uncle Sam. It could be an affiliate income that came through or a referral. Uh, but just having an open mind that uh, I'm not broke. You know, I, I don't say that I'm broke. I don't believe in saying that. That really helps. And just, again, having a, month, a money check-in regularly is helpful too. So when you say a check-in, what do like what strategies do you use? Do you use an app for that? Or is it just being aware of maybe what subscriptions you have or, um, you know, what you've spent for the week prior? What does your check-in look like? Yeah. So I experimented with this and there's a lot of different things that I have done. I've tried the apps. I've tried, uh, like all of them. And I found what works for me the best is for me to create a bill tracker. So my bill tracker is super simple. I just list out all of my bills. I list out if it's like an auto pay bill, what credit card or what debit card or account it's tied to. And every time I sit down and do a money, money check-in, I pretty much go down this list and say, okay, what are the things that I need to pay right now? What are the things that needs to get done in my finances? I check my balances, go to, go to each of my different bank accounts, check to see how things are going and making sure that any actions that were taken are taken. You know, sometimes there might be a surprise. Like, let's say somebody might take out money that you're like, wait, why did you do this? Right. But if it's on auto and you're not checking, it's easy for things to slip through the cracks. So I just have a simple Excel spreadsheet and I just track my bills. And that just helps me to keep on top of at least at the minimum of what I have to do for the next week or two. I do that. I want to say in my mind, I'm, I try to do it once a month but yeah. I have most of my bills on auto pay just because I know I'm not responsible enough to just pay everybody on time. So I've made sure that I don't have to. So it just gets paid when it's supposed to get paid. But that's also, I have to pay attention because there's a limit to my account. Like there's, yeah. <laughs> there's an end to Overdraft. it. So <laughs> I don't want those problems. You know what I mean? And then it's like, I can only be mad at myself because I set it up so that everything happens automatically. So it's, I kind of have to weigh what my options are. Everyone's either going to, you know, get paid and then I just have to make sure that I don't overspend what I have going on for the month. So it's, you know, it's got to happen at one way. So just find which way works for you. But I think that it would probably, probably be more responsible to do it more than once a month. Because when I forget for the once a month, then it's kind of like the free for all. So once yeah, what, you, what, what kinda, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So once you do your establish like a check-in, like I guess if we could say a week, you know, weekly check-in would be more responsible. What kind of steps do you think people should take when it's never been something that you focused on before? Yeah. The other thing that I would definitely say is the budget word. Like it's, I think it's very important for you to at least know and keep track of what you spend every single month and what your goals are every single month. So based off of what I spend, 
depending on the type of expense it is, like my mortgage actually has its own bank account. And it's one of the things that I think is like super important. Like I can't miss it, you know? And for me, I just rather have it separated from everything else. Like if I would say if my travel fund and my mortgage were in the same bank account, I would be struggling. I would be out there gallivanting traveling the world or and losing my house or, you know, vice versa. <laughs> so I have separate bank accounts for the very, very important things in my life. So that could either be an important bill or an important goal. So I do have a travel fund, which is a separate bank account solely for travel. I also have uh, my mortgage account that's just solely for mortgage payments. I even have a grocery account because I just like to see it separately. Now, there's a lot of people who do like, it's called an envelope method where they take out all their money for the month or, you know, biweekly or whenever they get paid. And then they walk around with all these envelopes. And for me, I don't like that. So I just do a virtual envelope system. So everything that is important, or I think again, is a goal, I have a separate bank account for it. And what I do is I direct deposit from my employer directly to that bank account. So I don't have to even think about you know, travel savings because it's all automated into my account. I have to think about my mortgage. It's all automated. And all I have to worry about now is just the day-to-day bills. Uh, that's all in like a general checking account that I can manage. I have heard of that. And I, one of the, another one of those things that I said I was going to do that I just actually <laughs> never did. So, so it's like I have like all these different accounts and I'm supposed to have it set up. So this goes here and this comes, but it's just, again, the tedious part of re-entering the new account number for your accounts and a new, it just, for me, I never really wanted to sit through doing all of that, but I joined, uh, I think it's Live Rich Here Academy. Um, I want to say Tiffany Aliche. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, Budgetista. The budgetista, yeah? Yes. Yep. That is a consistent $10 withdrawal from my account because even though I don't pay attention like I should, I know that it's a resource that is going to be there for me when I, you know, start taking little steps to be better at my finances. And one of those things that I saw there was that your important thing should not be mixed in with your miscellaneous items. So it's like when you go overboard and you like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to get it anyway. You swipe and then you forget, shit, student loans, today's the 25th. All right, ah, there's a clash. No one, like their money is coming. So you're just going to have to figure out how to not overdraft. I think that having everything separate kind of keeps that from happening. You see it deplete much faster and you're able to separate. This is the money that I had allocated for X and this is what, you know, it should be doing. Yeah. And I really honestly feel that the setup process is kind of like a one time until, until something really major happens in your financial life. I don't really go into my like employer and try to look at the accounts on a day-to-day basis. Um, but what I would say is sit down and think about again, like what are the important bills or important goals that you have? create separate accounts for them and have it automatically sent to those accounts from your employer. So you don't have to think about it. You know, it's out of sight, out of mind, and it's saving for you on a regular, regular basis. That is exactly how I save for travel. Like I never really go in there and put money in there or do anything like that. It's all automated. And I think the less decisions we have to make, it just makes our lives so much simpler. You're not stressed out or thinking about it um, too much. And Like I said, I don't really go into that account often. Like I don't make those changes very often. 
do you have certain cards that you use for like the po uh, the points and the benefits of travel and things like that? I used to, like, I would say maybe four or five years ago, like when I first started traveling, I was like heavy into the credit card game until I got burnt. And until mm -hmm. I realized like, okay, if I don't have a system in place to make sure that I'm paying these credit cards on a consistent basis, it's just not going to work. Cause what happens is like when you put things on a credit card and you end up like carrying a balance, those expenses, expenses are actually more expensive because of the interest. Right. So the interest kicks in. So over time, I've actually diminished my credit card spending and I try to do my daily spending on a debit card because with a debit card, when you swipe, you're done. You don't have to go back and look at a bill and reconcile and think about what you got to do. Like it's just done. So I try to do my, my big expenses. Like if it's a big bill, like let's say I have like right now I'm working on saving for a fuel tank that costs like $3,000. If I'm going to spend that 3k, I'm going to swipe it on a credit card to get those points. Okay. Uh, but I also have that savings on the side, right? I've been working on that savings, but if it's just like a $5 coffee, just swipe a debit card and just be done with it. I don't want to have to see it again. Um, right. that's just, yeah, it's been easy for me that way. I think when I, uh, little, I think what might be similar to your experience when I first started traveling, I'm like, all right, points, F it. I'm gonna just put it on the card. This way I'll get the points and get the points. And then you realize how many points get you nowhere. Um, a lot of these cards, I know with I have uh, the, I want to say Delta Amex, right? Or the American Sky, Express yeah, Sky Delta Miles. Sky Miles card. Mm -hmm, yeah. So I have that. And it, like when you start, there's so many sign up bonuses and person that signs you up get bonuses and somebody else. And so I had all these bonuses and I did, I think I got to Costa Rica for the, the Amex miles and that was it. So it's one thing if you go into it knowing you can hit a certain number, but I would say look into what your like turnaround for the actual miles is before you invest in spending or using a certain card. Because even if it's, if, it, if you use it for the one time benefit, but don't expect to, you know, kind of fluctuate your, your spending, then it does, it's not always going to be all it's cracked up to be. I feel like a lot of people, think that they can rely on that and all of a sudden you're going to be doing so much more travel but I feel like it's kind of a misconception like you don't I don't know maybe I'm just not using it right do you have any tips about points yeah I mean there are people who I know like for example Lizette Austin from Jet Set Lizette um and the Globe okay. Trial Lounge podcast like she's racked up a hundred thousand dollars worth of points like she's a pro Danielle, not as a, Danielle's not a pro, <laughs> but I have been able to take advantage of points and miles to travel more. So I do see it as like a travel more, uh, mm -hmm. added to it. Like there is that, but I'm not using it as like my, my main strategy. My main strategy is saving for travel, finding incredible travel deals. And if I need to bridge the gap, I bridge it with my points and miles. And like you mentioned before, the big appeal of points and miles is the sign of bonuses, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, you have to take into account if these credit cards have annual fees, usually it's like a hundred dollars, maybe 200, maybe $500. Like you have to be using these cards and using the benefits of these cards so that it makes sense. Right. Um, but again, like I said, my strategy is save, spend less or, you know, spend responsibly and then bridge the gap with credit cards here and there. Uh, I would say like, when you say save, I don't, I think there's like a specific strategy to the way that I save. I feel like I'm a, 
a rush saver. Like I can only really save for like a short amount of time. Like I'll save in the sense where, nope, not going to eat. All right. No, I'm absolutely going to eat peanut butter and jelly for this week. I won't do it over a, an extended period of time. Like I know, all right, so my trip is coming up in four weeks. So the next four weeks, I won't spend anything until, and then I just look at it. All right. That's another $5 to spending while I'm abroad. Okay. That's another $50. If I don't buy this, then the $25 I would be spending on this, I can now be spending on my trip. And I think that when I book my travel, I do it in a way that works for me. So again, there's no real method to it, but for some reason it tends to work out where I'll only book like one thing at a time. So I'll go into it knowing, all right, it's $500, I gotta find wherever I can go for $500. All right, so here's another $350. Where can I stay and we'll have reasonable food in the area for X amount of budget. So I go into it in terms of little micro budgets. So for this week or so, I'll know that I want to wrangle X amount of money for my flights. And then, all right, so what's the next pay cycle? What's next, you know, what are the next cycles? So I look at it in terms of a little bit more of a um, short-term rush, big Peter, okay, so if I don't buy this or if I cut this out, then I'll have this amount of mass to go to that versus somebody that automates $50 every week to go and then is saving that all up for, um, what do you call it, uh, like a spring or a fall trip. Like I've got a savings account where that happens and I blow it every trip and then I just start <laughs> fresh. So it's like my savings yeah. account is just, that's where I have money automate, automatically coming out of my bank, my, um, you know, from my check at work. It goes to that savings account and every trip, that's the card that I go to like for my cash. Like, so whatever I managed to not touch from the last trip is what I'm going with. And I feel like just those little, and it doesn't, and like what my point in saying all of this is, is that it's not necessarily something that you have to spend so much time like crafting and making a big deal out of, you know what I mean? Like I don't look for a million ways to sacrifice so that I can put X amount into it. I just look at it in terms of, cost cost benefit like it's gonna cost me not having x right now but it'll be able to benefit by this is that hiking trip that i might want to do if something as simple as 25 dollars for a meal in one shot can be an entire day excursion in another country if you just find little little cheat codes for yeah. i guess the mental aspect of it yeah. And what you're talking about is really like a lifestyle decision. So for me, once I made travel a lifestyle, like, like I'm not a, you know, once a, once or twice a year, I go on vacation. No, like travel is part of my lifestyle. It is a priority in my life. And because of that, it's always going to be in my finances somewhere or another. So for me, like I mentioned before, like I do the automated thing and I save for travel throughout the year. Mm-hmm. However, when I am planning. So let me just step back for a minute. So I save for travel throughout the year. So let's say throughout the year, I save, let's say $3,000 is what I have for travel, right? So what I do is I try to find a really good flight deal. This was back when the day when we used to travel internationally, like it would be like less expensive travel internationally. So to actually like let the flight deal determine where I would go. And I think you're very similar. You're like, where can I go with the money money I have? Where's my money going? What can I do with the money that I have? And then after I pick the destination and I book the flight, 
that is when I start to see, okay, how much money do I really need now based off this particular trip so that I can make everything happen. So it could mean that I need to actually, like you said, like I need to kind of like, you know, shrink down my spending for the time being so I could save a little bit more than I had planned. Uh, but I think generally speaking, if you just save for travel throughout the year, that gives you a good base. Like that automation is a good base. And then once you find a trip that you want to book, you could start, you could see if you need to ramp up your savings, if you're good. Um, and I think that's, that's totally, that's totally fine. How have you, um, worked because you have a full-time job right yeah i do yeah so how do you because i feel like people not not even people it's like whenever i see like one of my cousins or if i see like my aunties or whatever long as one of my face oh you're not working you got a job you travel so much i'll never see you in the same it's like ooh, they always want to know well how do you do it i just use the vacation that my job gives me i have a job that affords me a lot of vacation time it's just you got to be real crafty with how you use it. And because of the way it's allotted, I don't have the luxury of like planning in advance. Like I can't say it's June now. I can't say that for the week of November blank that I'm going to book based on what the flights and what the deals are to go to this uh, destination during this time. So I don't have that luxury that a lot of people have, but I do have the luxury of a lot of the time. So I feel like you kind of find ways that work for you in terms of how your full-time job may, you know, work with time and leave. What has your experience been like? What kind of, um, you know, full-time managing, full-time job managing travel life advice can you give? Yeah, I think you brought a really great point is that everyone's job is very individualistic and you will have good things about your job um, when it comes to travel and not so pleasant things about your job when it comes to travel. So one of the things that are good for me is that I can plan a trip out six months, a year out. Like last year I went to China and I booked my China trip the year before. <laughs> so I could, I could do that. However, because of my job, I work with grants and we submit grant applications very particular times of the year. So that means there's three times of the year. I can't be out of the office. It's like, you have to sit. And, and what happens is like, once you know what your uh, restrictions are with your job, you can plan your life around that. So I always say when you start a job or let's say you've been there a while and you're like, you know what? I really want to travel more now. Look at your employee handbook or that portal and see what the policies are for your employer and see how many days you have and start to actually keep track of those days. Because I know a lot of employers, what they do is you can roll over a full year and then anything else after that, you lose it. So we're not trying to lose days, right? So right. I think it's very important to know, know your policy, know what your restrictions are. And based off of that, you can start to craft a life and craft more vacations for yourself. Now, personally, what I love to do is I love to tack on uh, vacation days to holidays. So all those public holidays, like my favorite holidays to go travel, Martin Luther King in, in January, um, President's Day in February, even though it's right next to Valentine's Day, you could still find deals. So that's a very good time. Uh, Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving is really good, like to start your trip, especially if you're going internationally. Christmas and New Year's, not so much. I would, I'd never have traveled during that time. So 
holidays could be a really good time because again, you're getting a day off of work free. It's free. You don't have to tell right. anybody. You don't have to make a request. And then you could try to see if you can add on a couple days um, before or after. But there are a lot of trips I've done that I even like, I'd even ask for any time off. I just took the three day weekend and that right. was it. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. I think also um, if you're unable to get multiple days off in a row, if you can even get, cause I know for my job, because we go based on seniority, I can't get days off near holidays. Like that's just not going to work for me. However, a lot of times you can say, Hey, can I just get this Friday off? Or can I just get this Monday off? And you've now turned your three day weekend into a nice four day weekend. So if you can leave, say, if you've got the Friday off, if you can take the Thursday, you can leave like on a Wednesday night and you've got, you know, more than enough time to enjoy a destination. So a lot of things you just got to kind of finesse, really. It's just use All what you got to get what you want. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes. Play yes, yes. love and taught as well. So what other advice can you give in terms of um, funding your travels based on where you are financially? Yeah, I would say, I would say what's really important. I think for me, there's two pieces of how I strategically do my things. So the first part is the saving money part. And then the second part is the finding deals part. So if you really want to really be able to extend your budget so that you can travel more, you have to find those deals that allow you to take $1,000 and make it into like two trips or even three trips, right? Um, so what I've decided to do, and this all depends on your travel style too. So your travel style is really like how you like to travel, the things you like to do and enjoy when you travel. And based off of what those things are, your finances are going to, you're going to spend based off of those things. So for me off the back, I already knew that I just want to get to wherever I'm going. So flights are not my jam. Like I'm not a first class flyer. I don't care. Just get me there and get me there safely. Um, so my strategy is to find cheap flights and that is my bread and butter. But there are other people who don't really care about, they don't really care about the hotel. So they'll skimp out on the hotels and get the best first class experience in the airfare. So it all depends. But for me, I found that traveling to Europe is the most inexpensive. It's actually cheaper. Well, before COVID, it was cheaper to go from East Coast, New York to Europe than it was to go to the West Coast, which is crazy ridiculous. Uh, but it's, it, I, I'm very curious to see how things are going to change because I feel like our strategies are going to have to change drastically. Um, especially if a lot of these airlines are closing down, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think it's gonna be interesting. Um, but there's a couple websites that I really, really like. Uh, one of them is travel zoo. Travel zoo is actually one of the sites that I use to fund my trip to China. So back in December, I went to China and I spent $299 for a 10 day trip four or five star hotels, uh, breakfast daily, all the nine yards. $2.99. And I literally was like, wait, I like to find deals, but this is ridiculous. So I called them and I was like, is this a scam? And they said, no, the Chinese government at the time was trying to boost tourism and they were offering um, pretty much like they were paying a majority of their trip. And all you had to do was like pay the little portion. So did you have uh, to fly one of uh, one of the uh, airlines, like one of their national airlines or something like yes, that? Like China, yes. uh, China. 
Yeah. Qatar Airways did something very similar. They comped your visa. You could stay at like a five-star hotel for like $90 or, you know what I mean? Like it was ridiculous the way that they accommodated just to bring people there to see it. Yeah. And I was here for it. Like we were here for all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I think, I think to be a savvy traveler and for me, I focus on financially savvy travel is to have money saved up, but also to figure out ways to make that money stretch as much as possible so that you can do more with less. That for me is like very, very important. So flight deals, another one. Um, Another thing I would say is uh, thinking about like opening your appetite to like Airbnb and back in the day, hostels and things like that, like finding alternative methods that you can travel and spend less without sacrificing your experiences. And one of the first things I do when I'm traveling is I try to figure out all the free things to do in a destination. And I use Pinterest to do, to find all the free things first. And you could just type in free things to do in Chicago and you'll see a bunch of bloggers that will tell you the things to do. And then based off of that, I start to fill my itinerary up with a bunch of stuff. And that means, guess what? I'm not spending any money yet. And then I find the things that I really want to do and that will cost, most likely will cost money. And then I spend money on the activities that I really, really will enjoy that I believe are worth it. So I couple the free things with the expensive things that are worth it. And that's how I make my uh, travel budget work. And I've been to like Iceland. Have you been to Iceland? No, it's on my short list. Okay, okay, on your short list. It's just... A matter of, I don't like cold. I prefer hot weather, but I just really want to see it. I want to experience it. And That's I know that amazing. there's a lot there to do. Yeah. So, especially in terms of being, because I like being outside. So it's, and certain cold isn't the same as New York cold. Like New York cold is a different cold. It's frigid. Like, it's colder your and you're here than it was <laughs> in Norway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it was like, I'm in Norway. And it's warmer. You know what I mean? So it's like cold. I have, you have to rethink your, your idea of cold when you think of different regions. And I feel like I would probably enjoy it, even though it, that's a bone cold too. Like it gets in there and in you, but it's, I'm willing to deal with it. Yeah. So Iceland's one of the most expensive countries in the world. Like, I think it's like top three, something, something ridiculous like that. And I use that. That wasn't helping. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's amazing. I've been there three times and there's a reason why I would go back in a heartbeat. It's because like you said, the nature, the waterfalls, the, you can walk behind a waterfall. You can go to a glacier tongue and walk on a glacier. You can go on a cave, but that 8,000 year old cave, they're just amazing things to do in Iceland. And I'm from the Bronx, so I didn't never grew up thinking I'm gonna be doing these things <laughs> a little bit. So I just I just love Iceland so much. But things like like the strategy we're talking about, like if you do the free things, as many free things as possible that you enjoy, and couple that with paid experiences, like that is for me has worked so much. So, so, yeah. so much. And I'm able to stretch my budget more that way. Another thing that I've taken started to take more advantage of is the free walking tours. You can Google free walking tours and just put the city in and something will pop up. And I know that another strategy that I used to use, well, I still use, is I learned this one actually on the first trip, I was in Bermuda and I ended up going off season. So all the things that I had, you know, wanted to, that I figured out that I could do there, the tour guides weren't doing it. But then I realized, okay, so I I love doing like city walking tours, especially 
when it has some relation to the diaspora. So like I wanna, what is your, the, the regional black history? And that always is something that I try to do. And what I found is a lot of times you can go to, I don't like part of me wants to say it and then part of me doesn't want to say it's it. It's like, I, I don't want to spell only, <laughs> Right. Like only because I'm <clears throat> all for absolutely supporting small businesses, especially when you're going to immerse yourself culturally, support the local businesses there that are run by, you know, the locals. Now, when it comes to larger companies offering tours, they do employ locals in some cases. However, what I have done is pick out the places and the spots that they would charge me to take me to. And then I say, can I get myself there for free? Do they have a great metro system? Can I hop on a bus or can I hop on the train? This way, like in Bermuda, everything was out of season. So I couldn't do what I would, you know, a lot of things I would have paid to do, but I couldn't. So I ended up just hopping on the bus because they have an incredible bus system. And it took me everywhere I wanted to go. Oddly enough, I even took a ride from a stranger and that ended up being I've done that in Bermuda. I've done that. It's There's, just like, yeah. <laughs> thank you for not. Yeah. Okay, great. You I've understand. Done, listen, I've done this. Listen, in Bermuda, I was with friends. It was like me and two of my girlfriends. Um, this guy picked us up. We were just like, yo, what is going on? But it's three of us. We're good. So we got hopped in the car and we were on our way back from the beach. And guess what? He picked us up. Like he was just happened to be like going back home and he just picked us up. It was just weird, but that's just how the culture is. Like that's just how it is. A lot of cultures, that's a normal thing, especially if you're in a smaller neighborhood. And I feel like that is another beautiful part about staying in Airbnbs because you tend to be in actual neighborhoods and not just tourist zones. Where if you go to a Marriott, in my mind, Marriott is a Marriott is a Marriott, wherever you go. That's the beauty in a chain location is that you know what to expect, right? right? And there's nothing wrong with having that level of expectation. I just like the the more niche boutique experience of staying at an Airbnb. It becomes my space. I have this, in, this information from the host. You know, we share this kind of, hey, here are the local things that you can do in this neighborhood. These places will do delivery. You can walk to these locations. I particularly know this shop owner. You know, you can go here for discounts. There are so many little, I don't want to say life hacks, but like travel life hacks that the host can give you um, in terms of ways of saving money. So like once you figure out what you want to do, like you were saying, you plan those certain things so that you can spend the money where you want to spend it on something that is um, of value to you. Like, I love a good experience. So I will spend $27 on like an Airbnb and spend like $200 though on the experience because how, when, when's the next time I'm going to be able to see a live, vol- an active volcano, you know what I mean? In a helicopter ride in some little island. In, you know what I mean? Like these little yep. experiences that when you just decide not to spend your money on X on it's a random Tuesday, yeah, it's priceless. you get to, you know, give yourself these experiences and these memories that as a traveler, I absolutely wouldn't trade for anything. And I think, all. and I think that for me is the hardest part, especially now that we're like on lockdown is that before there was issues, like we had time issues and money issues that was maybe preventing us from traveling more. Now, we don't have those issues. We got bigger issues to think about. And 
I think the way that we're going to be traveling, like we mentioned, like flight deals, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be different? You know, and we have to adapt to those changes. Um, yeah, I, it's, I mean, I think we're going to be learning a lot in the next couple of uh, weeks, months and years um, as things change. Yeah. Yeah. And sadly, I'm looking at the, the borders are opening, right? They're starting to open and I'm seeing where there is the possibility that damn, like I may have the time where I can travel now. I'm trying to decide that since I'm saving all this money by being home, when the border starts to open, how soon am I willing to partake in the travels? And that's another thing where I'm seeing, you know, people travel and it's kind of like, you know, that you test the air first, see how it goes, <laughs> but it's literally you know, test the air or please test the air first. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to see yeah. how your customs experience goes. Like I'll wait till you get back and, you know, report back and tell me how, you know, what the experience is. And yeah. I, like, I'm trying not to the same way. I try not to uh, judge people just ju in general, but I try not to judge how people travel. Like I don't, uh, judge based on destination like somebody that's been to Vegas 27 times but has never left the country I mean listen you do with your money as you please you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm trying to like I guess wrap my mind around or place how I feel about traveling so soon like I've seen people already start taking those trips and I'm trying to place what my feelings on that are going to be considering now I've you know got a little bit more money just because I haven't been spending it on living outside of my house I'm kind of yeah. torn yeah so I've been watching the show called Kingdom and right. it's based in South Korea and I just thought it was a zombie show. And then, you know, the first scene comes in and just like, just gorgeous landscape. And then now I'm like obsessed with wanting to go to South Korea. And like, that's like an obsession. And for me, I'm also struggling, like when is the right time to travel again? And because I still have all these deals that are like pumping me with deals every day, like I do see like really good deals and, and it's, and it's really hard. Um, and I think it's an individual decision mm -hmm. but for me. I've decided that for the rest of 2020, I want it to, to focus on local travel. So focused on, and I also, I live in Connecticut and there's like so much to do and I've never actually done it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm focusing more on local travel. I'm focusing on driving. Um, hopefully my dog could come with me, like spending time outdoors. Uh, but it's a struggle. Like I do see like movies in South Korea and I'm just like, yo, like I, I could, I got the money now. I got the right. money now. <laughs> we can make this happen. Um, but for me, I just want to feel a little bit more comfortable with how the airlines are going to be uh, addressing safety um, and social distancing. And then once I feel like enough people, because again, I think also people, there are people who are early adopters, right? Just like for technology, people who are going to yeah. hop on anything that's new. Um, so it's good to see their experiences. And I hope that those people document it so that others can know what to expect and how to prepare themselves um, and keep their health in, in check early. They're kind of the sacrificial lambs. They're <laughs> guinea pigs right now. It's like, and I feel bad for looking at people like, all right, let's see what happens. What happens to them? Are they okay? Are they okay? Okay, now I can go. I don't want that 
for people, you know, but, you know, at the same time, it's just like, yeah, yeah how'd it go? You know, you want to, I want to, yeah. uh, what do you call it? A Yelp review. But for those of us that, pers- that don't necessarily want to travel, right? If we're not leaving, um, we're not doing any airplane destinations, if you will. Do you have any strategies for paying off debt? Because I know that for the most part, since I haven't been going anywhere, that's what I've been doing with the money that I've been able to spend, uh, to save. I've been paying credit cards down. And one of my personal struggles was, how do I decide which card to start to pay off? Because I know there's always the um, the one, well, which one do you uh, owe the most on? Do you owe the least? You can do just, you know, work your way up. and Or do you pay part on this and part on that? Who's got the highest um, APR? and there's so many different things to consider when you uh, start to think about your finances and budgeting and all those kind of things. So what advice would you be able to give someone in terms of um, paying off debt and trying to be better at mon- managing, managing their <laughs> money manage yeah. <laughs> while trying to pay debt off? Yeah. So I paid off 63,000 in student loan debt in four years. And yeah, I I had, that was um, a journey, but that journey prepared me well, because as a homeowner, now I got a 30 year mortgage before it was like a 10 year loan. Now it's a 30 year. So I feel way more prepared to tackle bigger things. So it could be a good thing. Um, What I focus on, and you have to figure out like what your individual style again is, is are you a quick wins kind of person? Like for me, I'm a quick wins kind of person. I want to see some movement. I want to see some traction. So what I focus on is I focus on the balances, which technically doesn't really make sense because some of the balances, let's say were low, but their interest rate was super high. I didn't care. All I wanted to do was get rid of this $5,000 and get that done, feel a win and move on to the next, the next loan. So that's how I paid off my 63 is I just looked at every single loan that I had and worked on the smallest possible, get the quick wins, feel, feel good about myself. I might even celebrate by going on a trip, (laughs) you know, celebrate, (laughs) do something and then move on to the next thing. But that's for me because I'm a quick wins person. But some people are like, I want to be, you know, like mathematically right. I want to save the most money. If you're trying to save the most money on paying interest, you want to go for the balances that have the highest interest rates. So that makes sense. But you might be there for a long time. You might not have any wins and you have to be okay with that. And I think that's the thing that people trip up over. If you're a quick wins person and you're not following that right strategy, you're going to get deflated and unmotivated and and then your progress is not going to be there. The other thing I would say for debt payment, you have to really be intentional and throw money. Like when I was paying off my debt, I was throwing money at my debt. And if you're just paying the minimum balance, you're never going to get there. It's the system is meant to keep you there, keep you there, keep you stuck. I know people who have had like $70,000 student loan debt, right? They've been paying it for like five years and now they're at 85,000. How does that make sense? You know, it doesn't make sense. It's because it's meant to keep you, keep you trapped and keep you stuck. But what I figured out early on is that I figured out how much interest I owed per day. So let's say you owe $300 in interest per day divide that by 30 days, that means you owe $10 a day. So your goal, if you're trying to beat your debt, is to pay off 
more than $10. So it might be to pay $15 a day or to pay $20 a day. So you can pay the interest and go above and beyond that to pay the principal. So knowing how much your interest is, is really important. And you can start strategizing. Um, and when you're throwing money at it, you know exactly how it's going to affect it and the rate that's going to be decreasing. So that's uh, some of the strategies that I use to pay off my debt. That just started sounding like science towards the end. Like I understand it <laughs> <laughs> fundamentally. I understand the theory. Stories yes. is where you get me, right? Yes. But yes. then when the numbers come into play is when I... <laughs> you left. Stadium, right? <laughs> if it ain't on sale I, I can find out my sale price i can get all of my percentages off and i know what my change is like yes you catch me off guard at the register <laughs> yes. that I got. <laughs> it's the rest of it where i get a little sketchy it's like, yes so trying yes. to get there so in terms of savings i know you have you're an author so i know that you've got uh books that have one was on Iceland, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So one on Iceland and one was the Affording uh, Travel. And what's the third one? So the, the third one I'm on? Yeah, the one that I'm working on, you could pre-order it now, but it's available um in September is called Traveling with a Full Time Job. So if you're struggling with traveling, limited vacation time, we really deep dive into all the different strategies and ways that you can make it possible. And I, I think like uh, we mentioned before, two struggles people have is time and money. So my first, my second book was on, you know, money and this one is on time. So I'm hoping to give folks a good idea of like how to make this more possible in their lives. Could you also um, quickly give, I guess, a description of what you, because I'm part of your women of color uh, podcasters group online. So just for anybody that is interested in podcasting, or if you also have a podcast, I know Danielle's got an incredible resource. If you could tell uh, listeners about that, because I know I listen to podcasts as a podcaster. So I'm certain that it would be useful for somebody else that's listening. Yeah. So back in 2018, I created Women of Color Podcasters. It's a Facebook group. You can just search for WOC Podcasters. And the whole point of that group was to amplify voices of women of color. Um, I just didn't really see women of color out there in podcasting. I, so I thought, which is not true, like we're out here in the thousands. And uh, that community, we have uh, town homes, we have like live sessions, we do um, playlists, like we do a lot of different activities. And it's a great place that if you have a question, you can go in there and get answers to your question. And I recently launched a membership site and the membership focuses on three things. So mentorship. So we have every single month, we have an expert guest come to share some knowledge with us. So like say last year, last month, we actually had a Canva specialist. So she talked all about designing and graphics. So every single month we have something that's themed. We also have accountability. So we have an accountability call. So if you're looking for folks who are invested in your mission and want to see you succeed, we have that too. And have a resource library, which is like the A to Z of podcasting. We have interviews and just tons, hours worth of content. So you can stop Googling to death. Yes. When you're a podcaster, you Google every little thing, which is very time consuming. So those are uh, the things that we're doing at WOC Podcasters. Okay. So thank you. Thank you kindly so very much. Where yes. can the people find you? Because if y'all try to hit me up asking for, you know, how do you afford to travel? I spend the money. 
I can't really help you. That's how I afford it. I, I afford it by spending the money. So if you've got questions about how I use my money for travel, I got you. I'm there. That's, that's my vibe. I can get down with you. If you need help, though, Danielle's your girl. So where can the people find you? Yeah. So you can head over to my blog, thoughtcard.com. I also have a podcast, a thought card podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts on social. I'm very active on Twitter, uh, at the thought card on Twitter, Instagram, um, also at the thought card and Facebook again at the thought card. So happy to answer anyone's questions. And again, um, my book, affording travel saving strategies for financially savvy travelers is out now and traveling with a full-time job. You can pre-order it now as well. So there are a lot of resources. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you being here. Um, guys, you can absolutely reach out on the social medias for Danielle. You can follow me underscore D Carry or travel and shit is an underscore where the I and shit should be. Um, there's still, they actually added new merch to the site. So if you're so interested, hop over there. You can go to travelandshitpodcast.com for that. And, um, Still doing giveaways. It's just a really heavy time to do giveaways. I'm trying to figure out how I want to, you know, how I want to do that. It's just read the room, you know? So I'm trying to read the room and I guess post with intention. And, um, you know, you can't expect everything from everyone, but I try to hold myself to, you know, a personal standard and some things that like, I don't even enjoy the social medias that much as is. So it's, I'm, I'm not really trying to force it if it's not, you know, flowing. It's not so, there. Yeah. 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 So, you know, try to bring some joy this week and not really dive into that. Um, and guys, keep your head up and shit, bro. Shit's tough out here. And we are continuously coming with content every week to keep you informed and to keep you lifted. So appreciate you for coming back another week. Thanks for listening to Travel and Shit. And I'll holla at y'all motherfuckers next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. I love your shirt. I want one. Do you sell that in your, in your store? 